Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka Levy. We need a microphone for you, bro. Project, project. El Judio Marioso. Dude, it's seven in the morning. Give me a break. Yeah, but you've had coffee. You don't have any excuse. It's like three sips, man. I gotta finish this. El Judio. Maravilloso. I was Spanish in a previous life. We didn't get into that before the podcast, but I'm sure we will get into it on the podcast. I want some empanadas or something. Empanadas. You need to get like the, you know, it's like it's like when somebody says to our people, "rigola," and you know, it's like no, it's it's rugula. It's the same thing. In I, lo- I love Spanish it. Our people culture. Our our. And, and side our note: people. If you would ever like, to, my favorite bodega is on Washington Ave in Brentwood. Okay. Just south of the expressway. They've, okay. And it's it is outstanding. They have empanadas. They have fucking empanadas. You got to get the. So, well, to digress for a minute, do you know Levy? You know who else was uh, Spanish in a previous life? No, tell me. Captain Permit, 516-513-8838. If you need plans, you need permits, you need anything permit related from coast to coast, Elmont to Montauk and everything in between, interior alterations. Uh, We work with investors, realtors, attorneys, you name it, we do it. We have the most handsome, I would say, Tanya Plackis said actually on the last podcast, we have the most handsome crew in the business. 516-513-8838. Obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, six inches of mold, human waste floating past the basement steps, behind on your mortgage, haven't paid your taxes, have a commercial building. I don't care what it is. If it's in New York, hell, if it's anywhere and it's real estate, I'm quick, I'm easy. Lord knows I'm a good time. I want you're quick. I want to buy it. 516-777. Sold. All right. I'm fired up for this podcast at 7 o'clock in the morning. And this was not an easy podcast to put together, sir. You have a very demanding schedule. I thought I had a demanding schedule. I thought Levy had a demanding schedule. You have a very demanding schedule, which is awesome. And I'm excited to hash all this stuff out on the podcast. Um, like we discussed before, I don't know a tremendous amount about you, but what I do know is fascinating. All right. So for the guests, we're going to do a little bit, of, little bit of background info. Okay. Most importantly, he's a fellow bar mitzvah boy. The best part is, unlike most of us, he got to keep the hair. Even though you say it's receding a little bit, I don't care. You're not going to get any hair sympathy from me. (laughs) All right? I'm like 20 years deep without hair. Um, Serial entrepreneur, we could say that. Trailblazing an entirely new industry that I like, that I I have dubbed, because I think this is sexy, the business lobbyist. You could take that, by the way. I don't need any rights on that. Um, Former professional ping pong player. Right? Anything else I missed? I, I I like bonfires. Do you? I'm a big bonfire. You're a romantic. Guy. You're like you you're like you're a, you are romantic. I'm, I'm not a big bar guy. You're the COVID. You are definitely the guy that fucks this up for the rest of us. Like you'll show up. Like my brother-in-law used to come home to my sister with this vintage Coke bottle that you can't find anywhere that was built in 19 that was made in 1902 with this flower that they only have in the south of France and give it to my sister in the middle of like a blizzard with her favorite ice cream that he went to Maine to get. Like you're that, I feel like you're that kind of guy. I'm like the kind of guy that goes to an event and sees rainbow cookies and brings two home for his daughter and, and, and forgets to bring something home for his wife. That's a lie. <laughs> No, you actually said the nicest thing about your wife a few minutes ago. Say, say what it was. That 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 saying that literally, like I got a little tingly, oh, and I'm not even. My, uh, my dad always told me in life. He said uh, he gave me uh, two great pieces of advice. I love. He said if it doesn't compliment you, it okay. complicates you. And if uh, a girl that asks for everything should get nothing, and a girl that asks for nothing should get everything. 
And I remember the first thing my wife ever asked me for was three months into our relationship. It was a hot pretzel from a Mets game. Okay. And I like looked at her, like I turned at her like dumbfounded, like, like, what did you say? And she was like, can I please have a, a hot pretzel? I literally jumped out of my seat, ran up to the concession stand, passed the usher, George. George is like, everything okay? I'm like, get in hot pretzels. I come back with two hot pretzels and mustard packets. And my and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Laura, she's like, why did he get two? And I'm like, I'd be damned if I'm gonna share a pretzel with you. Like, you haven't asked me for anything in three months. You get your own pretzel. Is, is that is that was that the moment you knew that she was gonna be your wife? No, the moment I knew she was gonna be my wife was when I read her profile online. Oh, dude, I online. fucking loved online dating. We got to get into this in a minute, but nobody knows. Like, actually, everybody knows who you are. But as far as for the purpose of the podcast, Adam Holzer, the owner of Connections for Hire. Yes, sir. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Good Thank to you see you. Um. Oh, online dating, dude. I fucking wait. What website did you meet her on? Or Plenty of Fish. Oh my god. August 2013. We just had our seven-year anniversary dating, dude. What was better that I loved, when I mean loved, I loved online dating. When I was like 18, which was fucking like 23 <laughs> years ago, my dad had like a, a, had a daily news sales guy and he's like, you gotta go online, this guy's divorced and he's crushing it. I'm like, dad, I'm not online dating, that's ridiculous. So my dad makes a bogus online dating profile for me, sends it, puts a picture up, sends out like a bunch of emails and then says, here, here's like, you know, 10 emails from girls. I'm like, wow. Online dating was the awesomest thing ever. Can we share a picture of you at 23 years old with or without hair? I had the most luscious fucking can, hair, dude. Can you, on this podcast, can you share that picture? I'd like to see that picture. Yeah, here. sure. Levy, you got that? It'll pop up right there. All awesome. right, cool. We're gonna get my wait, drive. Wait, 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 if I do this, can we make it like a Dr. Evil on the <laughs> side of his mouth? We're gonna get a picture of my driver's license from when I was 18 where I had like hair down to here, and then just like one day it was gone. I don't know what happened. So enjoy that you. while you have it. But online dating, Dude, I was so surgical with online dating that I invented something that I believe I invented it called profile mirroring. You know what mirroring is? Is this kind of like norming the market? Um, yes, it is kind of like norming the market. By the way- I'm fucking good, Levy, I know. Adam knows, like when you meet Adam, it doesn't matter if he's never met you before, he will know everything about you and your personal life. He's better than the CIA. <laughs> Essentially. We, we gotta come up with a cool like acronym for it. Adam knows, Adam knows, like, AKM, like, Adam knows more or something like that. I don't know. Adam knows all. A N A, Anna. Adam knows all. What do you think about that? Knows begins with a K, not an N. No? It was close, though. So you did mention that you weren't the best at spelling earlier when we talked about Lopian. No, I suck at spelling and grammar. It's, it's terrible. It's really, really bad. But kids out there, you should learn how to spell. But if you can't, it's okay. You can still take over the Become world. An entrepreneur. You can take still take over the world. Um, online dating. I'll just I'll share this with you quickly. So I invented something called profile mirroring. At least I'm gonna say that I invented it. So I looked through like 20 girls who I wanted a date's profile. Like ideally, I'm like, I, I would like to date you or at least have sex with you. Most importantly, have sex with you. So I would read through the profile and then you know how they have the different sections, what you like, hobbies, all that crap. So I would write down the frequency of, like if, if a girl said, family's really important to me. Okay, oh, 15 out of 20 girls said family's important to me, great. So when I write my profile, I have to make sure that I hit these points. And then when I did that, girls would be like, oh, I feel like I, I know you, I feel like we have so much in common. Bang, profile mirroring. 
Bang, norming the market. Go to 20 different homes in Levittown. Which one has granites? Which one has AC? Which one has a sprinkler system? Okay, build a house. Build it a little bit better. Not under that, not over that. Right in the middle, give them what they want. Wow, norming the market. Charles Weinrath, handsome home buyer, Captain Permit. Yeah, but I didn't invent that, so it's not as sexy. I understand that, I stole but you that. did 20 years ago when you did profile norming or norming the girls. I know. Those are the days. Anyway. For, for the record. Yes. I love how when you talk about things that you're passionate about and like you try to like adapt and modify them into other areas of business, it's like, isn't that connection for hire five years ago? And it's like, wait, it is, but I wasn't focusing on that. So it's, it's kind of funny to see how like um, we do the same thing, but in different different ponds, I guess. Because we're, we're Jewish, dude. Yes. We're like, we're, we're the same. We're, sure. cut, we're cut from the same from the same cloth. So just so people know, a little bit of background, local Long Island guy, right? Yep. Where'd you come from? Where'd you go to school? Grew up, I call it the trifecta, you'll appreciate this. Oh, yeah. uh, grew up in Dix Hills okay. with Comac Schools in Huntington Station, Texas. Okay. South side of the expressway, Comac Road. That is pretty damn awesome. It was awesome. Uh, graduated Comac High School 2005. Okay. Uh, went to Suffolk Community for two years, went to Adelphi for two years, okay. went to Queens College for two and a half years, uh, and then one semester at Columbia for a doctorate. Nice. Um, finished school, said to my dad, I have no idea what the fuck I want to do. Nice. My dad introduced me to a VC, a venture capitalist. Okay. Um, I saw the eyes wander for a second, and <laughs> we'll cut that out. No, we don't cut anything out. <laughs> and um, long story short, um, I really slingshotted my business career um, at around age 24. Um, never knew what I wanted to do. I actually am valedictorian of New York State for health and physical education. No in shit. 2009. Yep. It's funny because I don't talk to like a lot of like the other like like leaders like from the phys ed community mm -hmm. but like I watch all them on Facebook and they're all like crushing it in their career as phys ed teachers and I'm like man I stole the fucking valedictorian title from these guys and I'm not doing anything in phys ed I think it's so funny did uh, the reason why my eyes wandered for a second is I was thinking I was like your father like I was very fortunate my parents paid for school I didn't mm -hmm. have to have student loan were you in that same boat I was in a very similar but different boat um Suffolk was pretty much covered by scholarship money nice um, from out of high school um, Adelphi, I had I, I earned a half scholarship. Okay. So my parents um, gifted me the other half to nice. cover it, and then Queens College, um, dude, I did my I did dual dual masters. It was under twenty thousand dollars, and I paid it. That's off. insane. Um, just and then my scholarship to um, my semester at Columbia was covered by um, scholarship money for my masters. So um, I didn't have any student loan debt, thankfully, when I graduated. That's but amazing. I, I, w I would have if I wasn't fortunate to have my parents. I was just thinking of your the like what your father's reaction must have been when he was like, I just helped you pay for this insane education, and now you're like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. No, I never <laughs> knew what I wanted to do, even in college. Yeah. I, I would even talk to my professors about, like, I have no idea what I want to do, and they're like, well, you're going to school for this? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know if I'm going to want to do it. I don't think people should be allowed to go to school out of high school. I think that people need to should spend a minimum of four years until they're 21 years old figuring their stuff out before they actually jump into pay, you know, the, the trap of student loan debt in college where they have no idea what they want to do. If you ask 10 people, hey, did you are you doing what you went to school for? I mean, can almost guarantee you eight of them are gonna say no. No, I mean, with, without a doubt. I mean, listen, I, uh, I, I am a product of, of what I consider, and I'm sure some of it is my fault, if maybe most of it is my fault, of just a failed public school system. I only figured out what I wanted to do like six, seven years ago, six years ago. So, and some people don't figure it out until they're, you know, 65, 70. Some people never figure it out, right? 
So um, yeah, student loan debt is a big problem, man. It's a lot. And to, to have to you know have that mounted on you and have no idea, I don't know, I don't know. I, um, that's one of the reasons why I don't invest in student housing because I'm, and I never did because I'm, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about, I think as, for every year that goes on, I think a college degree is worth less. My marketing director, Kyle, uh, just graduated from Scranton, uh, mm. PA, and he had a house with 18 roommates. The, uh, I, I, I zillowed the house because I asked his address because I had to send him things. And the house was worth maybe $200,000. They collect $500 a month per person that lives there. Yeah. So $9,000 a month they're bringing in. So they're paying off a mortgage in under two years. And from an investment standpoint, I was like, wow, they're, you know, Scranton, PA, the house is, you know, has, 15 bedrooms, mega house. It's only, you know, it's under $300,000. I was like, wow, that's probably a good investment, but it's probably a, a bitch with, you know, having 18 college students as your tenants. Yeah, I guess it depends. I mean, I have, um, I have friends that do it and they manage it and there's drama in every business, yes. But um, I'm not saying college is going to go away, but if I just think of my personal experience, I went to Farmingdale, Nassau, Hofstra, and then a master's in NYU. So from the first three schools, I, I can't really say that I learned anything. Uh, NYU changed my life. Now, it could have been that I was ready for it. You I was more mature. It. it was like me in college. I was ready yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. But um, what type of student were you in high school, like grade wise? Like barely got out of there, in school suspension, constant disciplinary wow. problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I talk too much, bro. Which isn't really hard to. Uh, it's it's nice being around someone else that talks more than me. I think we're. I talk more than everybody. Really? Yeah. No, but you're a good listener. I like to talk, though. Yeah, I, that I mean I know you keep saying why do you keep bringing back to the Jewish thing, but that's what we do. That's what we do. We yeah, there's certain things that we're great at, and there's certain things that we suck at. We're 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 great at talking and being witty. I'm like you're definitely Jewish, bro. The banter what, is fucking great. I love my, it. One of my first business coaches, uh, he he would tell me uh, there's a marketing term called pattern interrupt. Okay. Um, I significantly love this word because pattern interrupt is when you're driving the same the same route to work every day and you randomly see, you know, 7-Eleven have one of those giant fucking blow up Slurpee cups and you're mm. like, oh wow, it, it's a pattern interrupt. It interrupts you from the traditional patterns of what you do. And uh, a, pattern, a pattern interrupt that I, my first coach told me about was um, to have a, a yellow pen with me, mm -hmm. a yellow pen. Like, you know, you never see a yellow pen. Why would you see a yellow pen? But the whole purpose of the yellow pen, uh, what I would do is in a meeting, is I would write with the yellow pen STFU mm -hmm. on the top of the paper, and I still do that now, just not with the yellow pen, and it means shut the fuck up, and the yellow pen is a sign to not talk. Interesting. So it's to ask questions, to listen, but not to talk. Interesting. And then when I want to talk, I put the pen down. We're going to come back and talk about how you are deeply committed to constant coaching and training and professional development for yourself. Um, I am curious to know the rest of that story that we kind of like went off on a tangent because I want to understand how, what led up to what you're currently doing now, which I think is fascinating. Sure. Um, first business was when I was 24. It was a consulting firm, just creative consulting, mainly around the areas of marketing, business development, and sales. Uh, I worked with venture capitalists, and the VCs would recommend and refer me their clients, or they would have me do an intake or 
really you know, dive into their business, learn what's going on, see like what they've done in the past, what their plans are in the future. And then I'd basically deliver a report to the VC. Um, the VC would either invest in the company, not invest in the company. If they invested in the company, they would retain me to help them with their business development, marketing, and sales strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did not invest in the company, but they liked the company, they would recommend to the company that they retained me um, for six months to get them in a better position before the VC would invest. And if they did not like the company, they would basically say, you know, Adam, if you want to try to earn them as your client, go for it, but I want nothing to do with this client. Um, did that for four years. As I got to know my clients' businesses very well, I would basically make connections for their business. So I was helping my clients with their marketing and advertising strategy. I was bringing okay. in resources to help them with different areas of their marketing. But as I would dive into their business, if I saw that you know their books were a mess, or if I saw that they had no contracts, or if I saw that um, you know they don't have anybody answering their phones that can give a good first experience, what I would do is I would you know I, I would network, and I was never networking to bring in clients for my business. I was actually always mm-hmm. networking to bring in resources for my clients and their business. So I would say to you know someone like Charles, I'd say, hey Charles, you know, one of my clients is looking to buy a new building. Um, you know, can I bring you in and can you help them? And you'd be like, yeah, man, like thank you so much for like referring me or giving me like a lead or an opportunity. Like what can I do to like to say thank you? Like do you want like a you know a kickback? And I would say, no, listen, I want I want three things. The first thing I want is if you were going to do any type of discount, or if you were going to uh, if you were going to give me any type of commission, either discount that to my client, or just do an extra stellar job, and I don't want anything. The second thing I would say is make me look like a rock star, because if I'm bringing you in and recommending you to my client, if you do a good job, then it makes me look good. And the third thing I would say is just use me as a resource. You know, to say thank you to me, just use me as a resource. Speak of me, connect me, introduce me. So my whole first business was really connections for hire just I wasn't getting paid for that so what I would do is I would help my clients build out certain aspects of the business long story short ended up exiting the business uh, at 28 years old I ended up taking on a consulting role at a digital marketing and advertising agency locally on Long Island okay um, helped them grow from a team of five to a team of 19 in about two and a half years um, we increased revenue by about 400 percent in that two and a half year time frame um, I was offered ongoing opportunity to stay with the company. Um, the owner, uh, his name is Jesse. Uh, Jesse and I had a really good relationship. Uh, when I first started there consulting, he called it unconventional opportunity. We didn't know, uh, that's another phrase I love aside from pattern interrupt, uh, unconventional opportunity. Learned both words actually from Jesse. And um, I went to Disney with my wife and daughter back in early 2019, uh, used to have facial hair. Uh, came back from Disney, completely like sad and depressed. Uh, my wife had no idea why. I went into the bathroom that night that the limo dropped us off, uh, stared at myself in the mirror, had a, a breakdown at 31 years old, uh, shaved off all my facial hair, came out of the bathroom, and said to my wife, I'm gonna resign from my job and I'm gonna start my own business. From age, from 21 to 24, I had, I, I had probably 15 different jobs. I was, I was coaching middle school baseball. I was driving limousines. I was, uh, I, I'm an adjunct professor. I've been teaching at Suffolk Community College for seven and a half years. Nice. Uh, I teach health and physical education and business marketing. Okay. But uh, I, I, I do not teach anymore because the chair uh, of health and phys ed is a real <laughs> bag. Uh, and uh, he's not going to listen to this, but if he does, I, I, I want you to know that all of my, uh, all of my five-star chili pepper reviews for my students were not bullshit. Um, <laughs> the, the, Obviously, that's something that still bothers you. 
I, I taught 6 a.m. classes and my classes filled up like that. Like within the first 10 minutes that they launched class signups, my class was booked. And the, the chair would always say to me like, what are you doing? Are you just giving out A's at 6 a.m.? And I'm like, no, I'm like, come to my class and see what I'm doing and like, you'll understand. The guy never showed up to my class. So I ended up just, uh, when my daughter was born, I, uh, I slowed down with accepting classes. Um, what do you, how do you define business development? I define business development as planting seeds for the future. Got it's it. It's literally planting seeds, watering them, giving them sunlight, making sure they have nutritional soil, and watching them blossom and foster into something amazing. And what does that entail? Is that is that across the board from, hey, you're gonna need a CRM to organize this, to, you know, you need to hire more employees, to what what does that entail? It's everything. It's, um, so, you know, CRM is significantly important. I mean, if you don't have a CRM, how are you tracking everything? I mean, you, could, you don't need a CRM. You can do an Excel sp uh, spreadsheet, but at the end of the day, they built CRMs to make our shit easier. Yeah. You know, it goes back to, if it doesn't complement it, it complicates it. So. A lot of my clients will implement new strategies to help them organize their business. Um, one of one of my clients is a professional organizer, and I literally bring her into a, a, almost all of my clients, and I'll recommend her only because she's like that. That until until you are on the inside looking out, like you can't explain it, but from the outside looking in, you don't you don't understand it. That makes sense. Now explain that. Okay. When 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 you're. When you're just going, you know, going about your day, your, your normal stuff. When you're in the business. When you're in the business. Yes, okay. You don't see all of the red flags and fireworks going off. Of course. Because you're only seeing what you're looking at. Yes. And when you're able to bring a, a third party in or somebody from the outside to take a look and say like, wow, like it's amazing yeah. that you're doing this. But once you have that little bit of structure and that organization, uh, one of my f clients, friends, mentors, uh, Greg Pajak, you know, he's the most, or like, I call him an alien. Like he's like super duper, like over the top organized and structured. And like, I had to, I had to reschedule a meeting with him and I rescheduled it two days in advance. And he messaged me back and said, Hey Adam, no problem at all. Next time, give me more, give me more advance notice. And I was like, more advance notice. I was like, I gave you two days. And he was like, well, Adam, what do you think advance notice is? And I was like, 24 hours. He said, no. He said, advance notice is at least three to five days. Okay. He, he, said, he said, when you're organized and structured, it's, it, you're being more respectful to yourself because you're giving yourself more time to not have to do things like this where you have to change meetings or reschedule, blah, blah, blah. So where I'm going with this ramble is, <laughs> is not structured, not organized, but I want it more than anything. Interesting. I, um, I mean, what you do, and I want to I wanna dig more, I want to get more granular, granular in what you do, but you know, business development for all businesses, especially small businesses though, is, is so unbelievably vital. Businesses are just constantly in that. I mean, I think small businesses are, a lot of them don't even know how much money they're making. A lot of them are just churning dollars. They, they never grow because like, they don't, they want to spend money, but they don't know what to do, but they're not really making enough money to spend it. And they're caught in this like wheel of, of grind where most of them are just buying a job. In most cases, a lot of them would be better off just going to work for somebody else. Did you read the E-Myth? I did, revisited. Uh, there you go. Bro. Dopest book so ever. Don't, Great book. Don't, don't just own a business baking pies because you like to bake pies. You know, uh, one of my uh, good business friends I met with the other day, uh, her name is Connie. And you know she's an entrepreneur, and she loves business. And it doesn't matter what she's doing; she just loves being the entrepreneur. She loves being the visionary. She loves running a business. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. You could be selling, I guess, you know, nail polish or microphones. Like, she just loves being an entrepreneur. 
and you get some people like yourself that love to be in the business and you love and, and you also love to work on the business so it's like it's a really nice thing to be able to see a scalability entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur that just limits themselves at to the product that they offer yeah i guess it's kind of like for me similar to the e-myth it's it's uh, and anybody who hasn't read that really should read it if you're in business but you kind of come through it like i started doing everything myself and now as i understand it all i'm replacing myself with people as i go through the process to eventually you know, walk up the mountain to, to be to the top where I don't have to do all the things that I did before. But, um, and I might be wrong about this, but I feel like to truly, truly understand it, you, you really have to have done mostly everything in your business at some point in time. Uh, a, because you don't have the, the money to hire people at the beginning. And B, so you really have a true in-depth understanding of, you know, what everybody's doing, what they go through so you can relate to them. Uh, literally just wrote a blog on being the only widget maker and how I'm a bottleneck. And my growth plan when I started up my company, so September was my launch date, September 19, uh, 2019, and COVID, March uh, 2020. Fuck. And my business plan was going very well. Um, I didn't mind deviating off my business plan because I actually succeeded in the one year goals I set for myself. I succeeded in the first five and a half months of my business. Nice. And the next step was to hire and bring on talent to help me run the business. But when COVID happened, I had no idea what was gonna happen with business like everyone else. And I was just, I wasn't in survival mode for my, my business connections for hire. I was in survival mode for my clients to make sure my clients were not struggling. Uh, I've always had that, you know, mentality of taking care of others. And what ended up happening was when you take care of others, you don't take care of yourself. And that was like my big pivot during COVID, which was to take a step out of the forest and really look at the trees of connections for hire mm -hmm. to build a better model because I was like, all my clients are fucking struggling. They're all, you know, trying to figure shit out with COVID. Some of my clients thrived through COVID, but I was like, what am I going to do to not lose this business? In the middle of this. No, I mean, get, I want you to get more granular so people really understand sure. exactly what you do. I'm going to use you as an example. So you're not a client of mine. Maybe you become a client of mine. But Charles Weinraub, you do a great job with your PR. Um, I've always loved being a brand ambassador. I've always liked being an influencer. I don't know if that's something that's in my future, but I would love for it to become one because right now I'm basically an influencer for my clients. Mm -hmm. So Charles Weinraub. So we take a look at your business. We look at Captain Permit. We look at Handsome Homebuyer. Look at what you have going on. So from a connection standpoint, we look at what we can do to better your business. So I don't know who your accountant is, I don't know who does your books, I don't know who your CFO is, what you're doing, but having a game plan and a strategy, which I call a roadmap, uh, I call it a BDRM, a business development roadmap, okay. is you know we need to know where we're going. If we don't know where we're going, how are we gonna get there? And then we take a look at the other side, which is revenue generating connections. What connections can I make for Charles that could be revenue generating. So I know a lot of people that are in investment, you know, do a lot with investments, love, love multifamily. I know a lot of people in the commercial space that are in facilities and operation management. Um, I have a lot of relationships with business professionals that have other resources. So my goal to represent the handsome home buyer wouldn't be to just connect you to my first degrees of separation that, you know, are my connections, my relationships, but to find out for my first degrees of separation, hey, listen, I have this rapport with you, my, my relationship. This is my client, Charles Weinraub. I wanna help him. I'm coming to you to ask for help. You might not be able to help me directly with Charles, but you might know of people that can help me with Charles. And I'm, I'm asking you to take a transference of credibility because I'm representing Charles. 
I would really like it if you can help me help Charles. That's what my business is. So that person that I connect you to, they might be a real estate attorney that does tons of um, you know, real estate transactions. And they might say, hey, you know what, Adam? I can definitely use Charles for these things that, that I do in business, but I know these builders and these people that would love to be able to engage or collaborate with, with Charles. Let me make a connection for you. And then I facilitate the connection. So I'm involved in all the connections I make for my clients. So if this woman, um, this girl, Caitlin, that I just met actually, she might become a client of mine. Caitlin is a, a she does a bankruptcy law and she also does real estate transactions. When I, when I get to know Caitlin, I might find out that her real estate transactions, she might have all these relationships that you would love to get in the door of. I'm a professional door opener. That's what I do. I don't do the close for you. I don't do the sale for you. I just get you in the door and then I help you foster and grow the relationship so it can turn into opportunity. I'm the one softly pushing on the person's back to give, them the, to give you the opportunity. I'm the one fostering it so you don't have to ask for it. I'm the one asking for it for you. But it seems like you even do more than that. Like, so what you just said, that last part was what I felt that you did. But you're also, it's kind of more of like a total package in the sense that you're coming in to look at someone's entire business and you say, listen, I'm going to open these doors and help build, you know, build your business and bring in more revenue. But at the same time, once the revenue, as the revenue is being built, we need this infrastructure that can support that. So that's, you know, accounting, that's legal, that's CRM, that's that's everything Everything, involving a business, which is... I mean, really what every business needs. I know enough from a 30,000 foot view. I don't know enough from a 10,000 foot view. And that's why I bring in all the different consultants to help me help yeah. my clients. But um, uh, one of the consultants I recently brought into a project, his name is Jeff. He called me his, um, something from Star Wars, like when I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but like me neither. your uh, Pan- Panawin or something like that. Pa- pa- Do you know it, Levy? Nope. Okay, <laughs> that's Sorry. okay. And I said, you know, I'm bringing you into this. You know, we're we're gonna be, you know, this is the percentage that I can compensate you for the for the job. I said, and the reason why I'm compensating you this much more than just giving you a small piece is I want you to teach me as we're going along in this process. I want to absorb as much as I can. I don't necessarily want to be the one doing it, like you said before, but I want to know it so at least I I understand it, versus just yeah. delegating it and not understanding what what the fuck I just delegated out. Yeah, I, but you know what I think, and that's something that really, really hit me when I was at NYU that made me confident in doing like the big development stuff that I'm doing now and what people I think really need to understand. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a deep understanding of every little thing that's involved in what you're doing. You have to have like a general understanding, but then have a team of people and then feel confident that you're putting the right people in the right seat to execute. You're, you're literally connections for hire. In the, in the housing market. You know, I remember a video that you did a couple of weeks ago where like, you were like joking around about like not knowing shit about like the house or like what, what, what need to get done. But, like, yeah, like bro, I can't hammer a nail. But you know people that can hammer a nail yes. and, and you know how to be the visionary for what that nail is gonna end up looking like when yes. the house is done. Yes, no, it's true. Very, uh, very interesting. I mean, this is, this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I just wanna dial it back because I, I wanna give you credit and I want people to kind of understand. Um, what you did by, you know, just having that, that moment, that, that breakdown moment. And I think, I think it happens to everybody. Or I like to say there's, um, people reach crossroads in their life, maybe once, maybe multiple times where, you know, they're not happy and they don't know. For me, I, I had a successful body shop business, but I, I had no idea. I, yeah, I opened, uh, I had a Mako franchise, you know, oh, get Mako on TV. Yeah. I've heard of Mako. From the time I was 23 years old. 
And um, for all intents and purposes, I had a successful business. I owned the building, I was making money, but I wasn't happy. And you know, there there's a moment where you're like- You, you felt like a hamster in the wheel. Yeah, like I was, you know, I was in business with, so my father owned a different Mako and he loaned me the money to get into this one. And he wasn't like my partner, he wasn't there, but he was. And I wanted to, I had this vision of what I wanted to do. But when you're working with family or just partners in general, which is why I never partner, there's there's a difference in, in, in opinion. Yep. So I realized, I'm like, listen, this is never gonna be what I want it to be because there's too much friction there. But at the same time, being an entrepreneur, you always feel like you're behind schedule, right? You always feel like, like I'm sure you're like, I should you know, be I'm, doing- Dude, I'm such an overachiever. It's, it's yeah. It's just in the DNA. So <laughs> I said to myself, I, um, I wanna do something else, what's it gonna be? But I have to make the right decision because I know it's gonna take me X amount of years to get good at it and I'm gonna put 150% of my effort in and I don't wanna waste any more time because I, I already feel like I'm behind. So when I was training with my original mentor, Carl, I was like, I got really upset one day and I was like, listen, I need to know, like, is this gonna work? And he's like, what do you want me to tell you? You want me to tell you that like, I know people that have made hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in real estate? Yeah, of course. Like, but at that point I didn't understand that you really have to like love it and you have to be built for it and you have to love it so much that when it's going to shit, you still have to love it. So, um, I don't know why the hell I just shared that with you, but no, I'm sure I, there was a reason. I, I'm, gonna bring you back, I'm gonna bring you back to your point. <laughs> Thank you. You, you know, you started up a business, you know, Mako, but you know, you didn't find that happiness. Oh, was, I, rem I remember, I remember where I was going with this. So you had that breakdown moment and then you just, you went and quit your job and ran with it. I'm curious to know like, you know, what the startup was like and what the acquisition of the first client was like. The, you're gonna love this. You ready for this? Nice, I already love it. I love all of this. Levy, are you ready for this? Okay. The aha moment was every month I had the same amount of money in the bank when I was working a job. Every month, same expenses, same amount of money in the bank at the end of the month, same amount of money at the end of the month. And I remember saying to my dad, I'm like, dad, I'm like, am I supposed to just keep working and just try to earn more money just so I can, you know, sustain what I have in, in my life right now? And my dad's like, yeah, that's what you do. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, I was like, and I don't know what the exact quote is, but my friend Greg, I always butcher the quote is, um, I made the conscious decision to sacrifice pleasurable experiences for pleasurable results so I can live my life the way that most people dream, but will never actually do. Yeah. And at 30, I was uh, I was 31 years old, just bought a you know, very nice house in Dix Hills. Um, my daughter was one years old. Um, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, which I call her um, a domestic uh, engineer. Uh, don't come from like a silver spoon family, didn't have any investors in my business. Um, started my business up in with less than $2,000 of uh, investment into the business and Literally, Rob Menino. So I, I came up with my name, Connections for Hire, in August of 2019. I really like, like the name. Everyone hated the name. No, it's fucking awesome. Rob is like, I hate the name. Now Rob's like, yeah, I really like the name, but Rob did my logo, my website. I didn't even ask him for it. He literally surprised me with it and He's said, you need to get your business started. He's a great man. He's amazing. So he built me my website, my logo, my branding. Um, I got my corporation started and then my first client was an IT professional, this guy Lenny that I've known for years. And I called Lenny up and I'm like, hey Lenny. He's like, Adam, great to hear from you, what's going on? I'm like, hey man, I'm like, uh, I need your help. You know, like, I'm like, I kind of started my own business and I need IT. I need someone to help me up with like, you know, my security, my this, that. He's like, whoa, 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 you started the business? I'm like, yeah, he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, he goes, I don't care. He goes, can I meet with you? And I'm like, yeah. 
and he found out what I was doing and he was like, how much do you charge? And I was like, I didn't even have numbers yet. Like I wasn't even ready yet. And I was like this much. He goes, great, can we start right now? And I was like, yeah. Two days later, um, I had a little um, flood in my house and I called one of my old clients from my previous um, job. Uh, he owns a remediation company. Hmm. And I was like, hey, Rob, I was like, hey, can you come check out my house? I have some water. I don't know if I need you know, remediation. He goes, yeah, of course. He goes, what's going on with you these days? I'm like, oh, nothing. No. You know, I left my job and I started up a business. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm kind of doing outsourced business development. He goes, I need that. So I organically earned clients from just telling people what I was doing. Um, one of my clients I've had for a year, this woman, Laura, um, you know, she was more searching for like a lead generation company and she came across my LinkedIn seeing that I started my own business and she calls me and she's like, can you do what you do for my company? And I was like, I don't think I can. And she's like, really, why not? And I was like, well, this, this and that. And she goes, well, I really think that you can. And she convinced me to bring her on as a client mm -hmm. and I brought her on and she's been a client of mine for a year. So that was kind of how I started the business and how I just tripped over opportunity. Well, I mean, I would argue that, um, that that was a 10 year overnight success because yeah. you had been basically your, um, you know, you cut your teeth on the business and working with the VC and the other businesses, but you spent 10 years building relationships and being a great person and helping people, which in turn turned into that, what was, you have the right now. that was the investment. That was the and investment. September 2019 was the payoff. Bam! So to close out, this is what I'm curious to know. You've been. You've been in it for a little bit over a year yep. through probably the most insane time to, to, to start a business, right? Um, what, what, what is insane? What, why do you say insane? Well, is, is it the fact that we have a world pandemic? Is it the fact that I have a second child on the way? Is it the fact? Like, yeah, I'll keep you on. Is it, <laughs> is, it, is it the fact that I'm trying to really fastly acquire clients before uh, COVID comes back? <laughs> T tell me what, what's insane. I mean, I would add to that <laughs> in an industry that is, I guess this is both a positive a pro and a con, like a, a hindrance and a, in an industry that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. What is, what does the future look like? What does the next 12 months look like? The next three years, the next 10 years? Literally delegation and scaling the business. Uh, I can't be the bottleneck. Uh, most business owners, unfortunately, are the only widget maker and they don't know how to delegate to other widget makers that can make different aspects of the widget. Um, I just recently wrote a blog with one of my clients, uh, Mike Mancusi, um, on being the only widget maker and he had that aha moment early on in the business and obviously funding and everything else helps you not to be the only widget maker, but um, I'm literally planning on hiring scaling and growing while delivering as much value as I can to my clients. I don't want to be everything to everyone, but I want to be the right thing for the right clients. And right now my goal is to retain the existing business I have, attain new business. I want to recapture old opportunities that I came about but did not win. And I really want to just continue trailblazing to make a difference in the business community because I think that if I continue to do what I've been doing, everybody wins. When, when I win, yeah. when I earn a client or when I help somebody, when, when I win, everybody else wins. I would say hundreds of people win. Because when I earn a client, it allows me to connect this client to this person, which gets this person in the door for opportunity, which helps this person, which allows me to help this person get to, it, it's, a, it's a circle of it's life. It's a domino effect. But that's why I tell all the people like in my, in my network, I'm like, don't just help me to help me, help me because it's gonna help you. And like, that's literally my business is helping everybody around me. But the cool thing is you do it in a similar way that Hitch does in the sense that you, 
you won't just help the business that's like trying to have sex with a girl. You will only help the business that wants to fall in love. The guy's name in the movie Hitch was Vance. Yep. And like, no, absolutely not. Like, I don't want Vance's. Like, Vance's are like, <laughs> no, no Vance's. Um, I have five qualities, um, five things I look for in representing a client. I, I look for motivation. I look for a positive reputation. I look for quality product and service. I look for a positive mindset and someone that I'm going to enjoy representing and doing business with. If all my clients don't have those five things, I will not engage with them. If I do not see a path of success for a client, I will not engage with them. Um, I, in, in the first year of my business, I interviewed 78 potential clients. I only wrote, I only wrote 16 proposals. I earned 15 clients. Wow. I love it. Dude, you're the fucking man. You're the man. I'm super proud of you. I'm super happy to have been able to connect with you. We're gonna have a lot of fun in business. Always, man. For the, for the, we're, we're both young. I think I'm still young. Levy, am I still young? Sure. Dick. <laughs> um, if people wanna learn more about what you do, if they wanna talk to you, and I encourage everybody to do that in any capacity, um, how do they get in touch with you? How do they reach you? Just tell them to contact the handsome home buyer because then, then they'll know that. This no, I can't deal worked. with the I can't deal with the flood, man. Tell I have me. to deal with enough craziness. Uh, just just Google my name. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear something cool? What? We have 108 five star Google reviews in 12 months. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. I think that's cool. Are you on all social platforms? I I'm major on LinkedIn. That's about it. Really? Yeah. Dude, uh, you got to be everywhere. I, we'll get there. We'll get there. Once again, it goes back to being everything to everyone. I want to see you doing like shimmies on TikTok and shit, Dude, bro. I will not be doing shimmies on TikTok. No? But I'll hire someone to do shimmies on TikTok. It's got to be you. It's got to be authentic. We should do shimmies together. I will shimmy my ass off. Right, right after this video podcast right now. Do you have rhythm? Because no. I'm half Sicilian, so I'm good. I was a drummer growing up, but I kind of peaked at uh, 13 years old. That's all right. I was, I was in the band. I played clarinet. They threw me out in seventh grade. You're welcome. Um... <laughs> Obviously, everybody knows I'm the handsome home buyer. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, dated from the 1960s, anything real estate related, I want to buy it. 516-77 sold. And obviously, if you have a permit problem, don't forget the captain. 516-513-8838. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.